Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show. Today, we're going to talk to James Nikowski. He is a Los Angeles Times bestselling author and lives in California with his wife, Judith Shervin. They are both executive coaching, they're a team, and they offer a variety of tech companies a lot of strategies, and these companies are around the world. But Jim has done something new. He's created a novel. It's his first novel called Worship of Hollow Gods. It's the first in his Leaving Home trilogy, and it was a number one new release and now is a number one bestseller on Amazon. It's an impressionistic novel, and it's very evocative, and it really uh, captures the bewildered isolation that Jim experiences in his own home when he's a child. So, welcome, Jim. Thank you, Patricia. Hello again. It's been a long time. It has. It has. Now, I know that you've been, you have a PhD in psychology and philosophy, and Mm -hmm. earlier in your life, you were a successful stage actor. Mm-hmm. And then after you married your wife, Judith Shervin, then you two specialized in marriage counseling, writing relationship books and speaking and workshops, because I know I interviewed you on many of your books. So, and today the two of you are employed as executive coaches, um, and you work with Credit Karma and LinkedIn. What prompted you to write a novel based on your childhood in inner city Detroit? I'll tell you the honest to God's truth. One day, I was watching a rerun, not a rerun, of The Godfather, parts one, two, or three. I don't remember which part. And suddenly, I thought to myself, damn it, it's not just the mafia who had stories to tell. I have a story to my people also have stories to tell. They may Mm. not be shooting people. They they, they may, may not be running drugs or running beer, or running guns, but their stories are just as interesting, just not as big and grand and glamorous. That's really what moved me. And the first line of worship of our gods is my uncle, one of my uncle coming into the house saying, shout a beer. I wrote that line, truly, Patricia, that line, I wrote nothing more than that line. And from that notion, out came the rest of the story. Hmm. Mm. Now, this is based, it's a novel, but it's based on your early life, correct? Yes. I call it autobiographical fiction. It is fictional. In order to tell the story and not make it a documentary, it is fictional. Parts of it are utterly fictional. Parts parts of it are quasi-fictional. But Mm -hmm. it is autobiographical fiction. Mm. So this was your life subject to the underbelly of a Polish Catholic family in yep. working class Detroit. Why do yep. you call it underbelly? All of all families live with unconscious content. I call it another way to think of it. It's the a- emotional atmosphere of the family. It's an yep. atmosphere that becomes so habituated that no one recognizes it, it, that you, everyone just takes it at re, as reality. It's not to be discussed. It's not to be explored. It's certainly not, not to be mentioned. If you mention it, then there's trouble to be dealt with. All mm-hmm. of us live with that kind of 
atmospheric mm-hmm. impact. Yeah. Another current term, psychological term, term for it, it's called imprinting. You yeah. live with that imprinting, yeah. Yeah. and in, other, in, in effect, you never have left home. You carry it with you. If you don't mm-hmm. do the work to understand it, understand yourself and what, what, what the remnant of your early life, it's still effectively running your life. Mm-hmm. The reason we say leave home, people leave home all the time in the sense they move from one place to another, but the home we're talking about is the unconscious impact the unconscious atmosphere that's still a part of all of us, no matter where we move. You could move to Mars. It wouldn't matter. You would take it with you. That's, yeah. that's, what, I, that's what is and, so and, important to, for me to get across in this book. Yeah, and, and what, I, what I see in my own life and really in general now, and I'd love your comments on this, is that you know, we live this life where things look good. I mean, look at Facebook. Right. Everything with beautiful pictures. We're going on trips. We're Mm -hmm. in, you know, we're in meetings and everything looks good. And so that's what we see. And so when we don't look good, we think, oh, my God, I'm the only one. Everyone else looks good. But that's not Mm -hmm. the truth. Right. Right. Exactly. It's not. If you just peel back, it's like the Wizard of Oz. If you peel back the curtain, there is there is a, a creature back there that doing it's doing the dictating. Yes. The problem yes. is we don't know that's the case. Our culture is psychologically very naive. It's really like, for example, I have had people send comments to. Amazon saying things like, why can't you just leave the past alone? Why, can't, why yeah. do you have to always yeah. go back to your parents? I'm not doing that pick on my mother or father, father or my grandmother or grandfather. I'm not, that's not my objective. That's not my focus. My focus point is the feeling that what it was like to be inside of that emotional milieu. And it, it comes in. When we were children, it comes in. We take it in unquestioningly because it's the only thing it's the only thing that is reality for us we take it in and we assume that it is the nature of reality therefore we don't question it we just go on living our lives under the impress of that early early atmosphere yeah we have those beliefs i mean i see it with friends and family where i watch them playing this this role and they believe it i mean for them it's very but for them it's real this is the way totally it is. Real. But I can totally see real. the motives underneath. Maybe because I'm part of a family or I know the person really well. I see what's going on really underneath psychologically, but they have no clue. No clue. You know, Patricia, it's, it's not as mysterious as it may appear. When we, as you said, my wife and I work as executive coaches in the tech industry here in Silicon Valley. If you go into a, comp- a corporation... It has a way of being. It's called a culture. If you, you yeah. don't pick up, there's no list do's and don'ts to be part of the culture. You just feel that you see how people treat each other, how people are behaved toward, toward one another. It's the culture you take it in or in order to survive. If you don't fit into that culture, you're out. You mm-hmm. take it in and become it. And that's you become what that company demands of you that you be, so you can conform to the company and survive within it. That happens all the time. Happens in politics. Happens in religions. Happens everywhere. It's it's actually just a way of being. 
But here's my question, Jim. You chose to write this sort of autobiographical fiction later in life, you know, in your later years. So, and you've lived with this all these years. Uh, What did this, what was the effect on you, you know, having regurgitating all this and writing it down and reliving it? Has it helped you? What has it done for you? Was it important? The phrase you use, reliving it. Sounds like that would be absolutely necessary, necessary in order to write it out. But the right. problem, I, didn't, I did not relive it while I was writing it. That came after, till I realized, oh my God, I actually, this is real. This is re- what I'm writing here. It's, it, what happened to me, how I responded to this is all real. It's actually very profound impact. And it's still going on. I struggle with writing this book. For one, for the trilogy, actually, for one real, real fundamental reason, when one goes against that early imprinting, it's like in the, I call the worship of a hollow gods because I was raised as a Polish Catholic, Polish Mm -hmm. Polish peasant Catholic, and Mm -hmm. there are such prohibitions and such warnings from that religion religion that I experienced, you will go to hell if you do this, if you will you will be disliked by God if you do this, you will be punished right. if you do this. Now that I am regurgitating or telling the story for the first time, there are a lot of what my wife and I call forbiddance. If you have an allegiance to something, Mm. We all live with allegiance to loyalties to whatever we had loyalty so, to that early bringing up. When so I am now doing something to break the story, to break it up, to break the rules, I am. So, I'm paying a price for it. A, a deep, deep sadness. And a, a then kind why? Of, uh, then why? Okay. Then I go back to the question that your readers yeah. asked you: If it if it's costing you, and it's a price, and it's sadness, why are you doing it, and what's the benefit? The benefit for me is a sense of expressing myself from the depth, deepest level I have ever done. Mm-hmm. I was a mm-hmm. professional actor, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I was a stage actor before I, before I became married. That was a deeply moving experience. But it was somebody else's story. It was someone else's, someone else's words. It really was no different than being raised in a family. You, you conform the, to the script and to the company of players that you're with. I always had, to, always had the desire to write my own stuff. Now I'm finally doing that. Hmm. Fascinating. Fascinating. And, and what, what do you want readers to get from the book? What's your hope? Or what are they well, saying well, that they you get? You have already alluded to it. Two things. One, I hope they enjoyed the writing. The writing, I think, quite frankly, is very beautiful. It, you mentioned it's impressionistic. It's, it's like a Monet paint, painting. It's not, it's not photographic. It's not, it's not a, a, a documentary. It's, it's an impression that it's being expressed. There is real beauty in, that, in the poetry of the writing. That's one thing I hope deeply, deeply that they, people get. Number two, mm-hmm. more psychological or philosophical, that you understand 
that this actually happens to all of us. Many readers have sent me comments saying, my God, this is just like my Aunt Rosa, my Aunt Josie, my Aunt Helen, mm-hmm. my Aunt this, my Uncle that. This yeah. was my family. That's another yeah. thing. They didn't say, oh, my, I, I, I understood the analysis of what you're writing. They said, I felt like oh, you were speaking about my family. That's, mm-hmm. I really hope they get that for the reason of clar- clarifying their own understanding of themselves and where they come from. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Jim Stakowski will talk more about his book, Worship of Hollow Gods, which bears witness to the world of the underbelly Polish Catholic family. And he'll talk about creativity, aging, and the limits you're up against, known as holdbacks. Stay tuned, folks. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show right here on voiceamerica.com. America's Voice. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone. We are back. We're talking to James Nikowski, Ph.D., a Los Angeles Times bestselling author, and he works with his wife, Judith Shervin. They're an executive coaching team for a variety of tech companies around the world. Jim has written his first novel. It's autobiographical fiction, so it's based on his early life, but there's some fiction in it as well. It's called Worship of Hollow Gods. 
It's the first in Jim's Leaving Home trilogy and was number the number one new release and now a number one bestseller on Amazon. You can log on to judithandjim.com and learn more about the novel or you can log on to amazon.com and get the novel as well. And what Jim's talking about in his in his autobiographical novel, Worship of Hollow Gods, is you know creativity and aging and limits that you're up against, knowing knowing as holdbacks what those are when you've had very strong imprints. As he writes about, he was subject to the underbelly of a Polish Catholic family in working class Detroit. Welcome back, Jim. Thank you, Patricia. All right, talk about holdbacks. What does that mean? And I mean, you're a psychologist, so you've helped people their whole life with this. But now you're talking about your own story. Talk about holdbacks. Well, I want to use the language that my wife and I have put together. We use the words allegiances and forbiddances. When you have an allegiance loyalty to something, like, for example, if you, if you have the loyalty, loyalty to the United States, there was, that's something you're very proud of and is something that generates behavior. But if you cannot, you cannot go against that loyalty or you consider it a traitor, that's a forbidden. Mm-hmm. That, that, that duality, allegiance and forbiddance, is, appears everywhere in our lives. You can, you can do this, you cannot do that. Well, the whole bash is, is the, the lack of, of awareness of that that complex, that allegiance holdback, allegiance forbidden complex. If you don't know that stuff that's going on, it just it just seems like life. It's really really hard, or that the the difficulty is coming from the outside in. In fact, it's the other way around. It's from the inside out. One of the reasons, one reason I wrote the book as I began writing and got into what I was actually doing and learning what I was doing is I wanted to get through that whole, those holdbacks that forbade me to, first of all, to write it at all, to write mm-hmm. it at all, because it's a deep familiar, forbidden, familial forbiddance against revealing that stuff. You don't talk about that. That's all inside the house. Nobody, mm-hmm. get, no, no, nobody knows about that. Mm-hmm. The, the, to get through that kind of holdback that forbade me to express myself deeply was one of, is one of the results of uh, writing this trilogy. The trilogy, just just quickly, the the first book in the trilogy. I am nine year nine years old in my Detroit family. In the second book in the trilogy, entitled "An Ambition to Belong," my attempt to get out of that family, get out of that that uh, that grass, the grass of where I came from. To get mm-hmm. away from that, the second book is entitled An Ambition to Belong. When I joined a street gang, gang in Detroit when I was about 14 years old. The third book is entitled When Angels Die. It has to do with, I went out in the, in a, into a career as a stage act and I was doing very, very well until this under, underbelly made its way up again and mm. it really played hell on my career, which came to an end as a result of that underbuilding. And I don't regret it, I, but I, I, do know, I do have sadness around the fact that that happens at all to anyone. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. What do you remember? You're telling what you remember right now in terms of what you remember most, but what left the biggest impression on you growing up in this family? What left the biggest mark, do you think? I was a very imaginative child. Of course, as a child, I did not know that. I just thought that was reality. I was very able to take in and believe deeply what was, was, what, what was around me. That was Polish Catholic Catholicism. It yeah. was peasant Catholicism from the old country, a, a, a form of Catholicism that found itself very much at home in the 12th century. It was so primitive and so punitive, yeah. but mm-hmm. I believed all that. Mm-hmm. I thought that was real, and I was afraid of breaking the rules. That mm-hmm. largely with the deep and suppressed. That's why if through all the books, I have no issue with God, whether God exists or not. I have no idea. But I really do have an issue with the, the, the impact that religions have on, the Catholicism had on me and that religions have on people in general. That, to mm. me, is the deepest part of... Excuse my stuttering. Yeah. I'm, get, I'm getting a little excited here. Uh, it's mm. the deepest part of the book. Yes, yeah, so, so what you're saying is any religion that takes it to an extreme, any orthodox, right, or very, um, yeah, extreme or to the right part of the religion... That's what you take issue with because of the dogma and the rules and the, the rigidity. Yes? You know, Patricia, it doesn't even have to be extreme. It's extreme in the simple. When I say something like, like, I have the way and the light and you don't follow me, you're condemned in some way or another. That, right. that, is, that is not extreme for most religions. Look, right. look at ISIS, Islam, and Catholics, and, and Judaism, all of, the, all of them. That is so crippling. It's so debilitating. It's so confined the possibility of exploration, being alive in this life and who you are. Yeah. No, I understand that. And I, I understand the orthodox uh, pieces of religion. I guess I have family that have some of that. And it's um, mm-hmm. it's the the... the the positive part for them is that, and, and, and I do want to address this because there is an upside to that, what you're talking about. And that mm-hmm. is if you believe in it wholeheartedly and you follow it with blinders on, right, and you don't deviate, you're protected. You're taken care of and protected. And in some ways, it's a little easier because you don't think. You just do. What do you and think? The feel, Patricia, the feeling of it. If to be so deeply a member of something, it's a yep. good place to be, except not recognize that the, what you're a member of is not good for you. For example, as I say, as when I became 13 or 14, I joined a street gang. I was a minor criminal. It felt so good to belong to something that I could wear its name on the, mm. on the back of my jacket and have the comrades or all alike. But ultimately, we just some of the guys I hung out with when I was 14, Oh, ended up in jail in Michigan for murder. Those, that's grand theft. That sort of that. That's the, the dark stuff. The upside of it, I could belong somewhere. And so the danger of that, right, is that you then, if you you then try to belong to anything that has a very cohesive group. So you went from the family right to the gang. So that's right. that's the hard part. Is that you have right. this compelling um, energy to to belong to something and it may not be the best thing for you 
and where I came from, you don't do. You, I didn't just belong. I gave myself wholeheartedly. I, you know, the hero of Catholicism is Jesus. He died for all of us. At least that's what the story says. It's that depth of commitment that is so important. So going from my family to really the, the gang was an easy, easy walk. That was easy. I was already a member of a gang. It just had yeah. to be called my family. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Interesting. Um, what would you say to folks who are older? You wrote this in your 70s, right in your older, later years. What would you tell people who are 70, 75, whatever age they are that is older? What would you say to them about restarting or doing something new or something they hadn't done before? What would you say? Well, I'd say two things. I'd express my own experience of being 77. Part of that mm-hmm. is sadness. I used to be young. I don't mean that trivially. I used to be vital in a way I am not now. My body just doesn't have, have them to, to go there, but my mind is, st- is still razor sharp. To keep that alive, keep that cooking, makes life worth continuing to live. Mm-hmm. I, I really have, like being on your show, being on a show about my writing, it's thrilling for me. To, mm. If you have, a, if you have a, a talent, if you can do the job, it is a job. You have to sit at the computer if, as a writer and write paragraph and sentence and, and then reread and edit them. That, that's work. But it's so thrilling to see, to see things come out of yourself that you didn't know was there. Mm. That, to me, is, is the ultimate thrill. Oh, I, I do not plot my books out. I start writing, and the books talk to me, and I listen mm-hmm. to them, and I follow them, mm-hmm. I follow what I hear. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I have passages through the book, I think to myself, who, where did that come from? Well, mm-hmm. it came from me, I know that. Yeah. It, it, it sent yeah. a discovery. Yeah. Wow, look yeah. at what it's Which is wonderful. So what, we have to close, but what you're saying is self-discovery can happen at any age. Any really. age. Really, any age. Jim, it's been a delight to have you on. People can find the book, which is Worship of Hollow Gods. At Kindle on Amazon or in paperback on Amazon. And that's that's the easiest place to find it right now. Okay, or judithandjim.com. All right, yes. Jim, thanks so much for being on. It was really... Patricia, thank you for the opportunity. Just so that, I think mm-hmm. I said, this, this is my first interview about the book. I felt so safe in your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Stay on the line for a minute. Stay on the line. All right, folks, so that uh, we are coming back with another interview right after the break, right here on voiceamerica.com. I'm Patricia Raskin. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.